This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI TV. I'm Dave Brown. It's the Monday, January 16th, 2023 edition of the show. Coming up in the second hour, Twitter is planning to create an in-app currency for its users. Mark Flawla will ring you up and cash you out when he gives you the scoop. And Ryan Delahanty returns to the show to preview some new AMI-audio podcasts. But let's begin the hour by bringing in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Uh, Mr. Richardson, happy belated birthday, sir. Hope you enjoyed a great weekend of sports. I did, but I was also away uh, in Mississauga for the weekend doing a little bit of, uh, shall we say, children's play with uh, my wife and I and my sister-in-law. So kept an eye on sports, but uh, had a had a good uh, good birthday weekend while I was at it. And with that, we'll leave it there and we'll chat some sports. Yeah, a little, a little, family, little family time. A little family time is always nice. Although I've always said on my birthday, leave me alone. Like, I, like let's go. Like, I'll do family time the other 364 days a year. Let's have, let's have a day for me on my birthday. Brock, let's, let's start in the world of hockey. The Women's U18 Hockey World Championship is in the books. What's your uh, final reflection on this tournament here? My final reflection is a bit of a, let's say, a bit of a surprise. Uh, we did not see uh, Canada versus U.S. in the final. Uh, U.S. wins the bronze medal with a 5 nothing victory over the uh, finish. And, and uh, then Canada played Sweden in the gold medal game and won a nail-biter, bo- nail quote-unquote, <laughs> of 10 of nothing. So your uh, gold medal winner was Canada. Silver medal was Sweden and bronze medal was Finland. So that's how it is. And I got to be honest, Dave, this is an event that uh, I said this early in the week and I'll just to put a bow on it. This is an event that people should uh, wrap their minds around. It's very talented hockey. At times, Dave, I really like uh, women's hockey because you get a lot more of the the finesse um, versus, uh, you know, crash bang sometimes. So really good event. Um kind of a uh not not much of an exciting gold medal game if you will 10 nothing for a gold medal game isn't the thing that everyone wants but at the end of it all canada gets the gold medal so that's what canadians want moreover yeah just keep bathing in gold brock that gold medal game had the misfortune of running right up against a very busy national football league weekend let's recap some of the action here. And let's go back in time. We'll go in chronological order. Saturday afternoon, the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. Close game in the first half. Seattle had a one-point lead at halftime, but goodness gracious in the second half did the 49ers ever take over en route to just stomping the Seahawks, defeathering the Seahawks, if you will. Your takeaway from the San Fran-Seattle game. Listen, uh, I am all in on uh, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. I was thinking that maybe uh, Pete Carroll might sneak in there with the Seahawks at halftime, but no mas. Uh, Brock Purdy said, this is my team right now, and I'm going to make the most of it, and I am all in on the 49ers. I love this game. It had a bit of everything in it, and uh, 
all good. And like I said, all in on this team. I told you last week I have money on them to make it to the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl, the San Fran 49ers. Those weapons they have on offense, they get the ball in their hands and they take off. Their quarterback, Brock Purdy, just needs to play clean football and get it to just a bevy of playmakers. And he did that job perfectly on Saturday afternoon. Well done. Big win. And uh, and churning towards an interesting matchup, which we'll preview a little bit later here. But Brock, let's keep going in chronological order. At a few minutes into the second quarter on Saturday night, the Los Angeles Chargers had a 27 to nothing lead over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars go on to win the game 31 to 30. Brock, you have a question for me in regard to this game. Epic collapse or brilliant comeback or a bit of both? Obviously, it's a bit of both, but I think there needs to be some significant criticism going towards Los Angeles Chargers and their head coach, Brandon Staley, that even predates the game. He had a bunch of his starters play last Sunday in a meaningless game, and they ended up losing their star wide receiver, Mike Williams, to a fracture in his lower back. They had an injury to their star defensive end, Joey Bosa, who, who did play in the game on Saturday but was not at 100%. But Brock, in terms of the game management in the second half of the game, when you have a 27-0 lead against an opponent, your number one person you're playing against is no longer the opponent. It's the clock. It's time. And in football, how do you make the clock move? You run the ball. Every time you're tackled in bounds when you run the ball, the clock continues to run, and you can churn 40 seconds off that play clock. The entirety of the second half, the Chargers only ran the ball seven times, and many times, I don't have the precise stat on this for you, but many times they did not run the play clock even below 10 seconds. They gave Jacksonville the opportunity to get back in that game by poorly managing the clock. These are some of the most fundamental things you have to do as an NFL coach, and Brandon Staley should be fired today, if only because of that. Brock, what did you make of this epic comeback? Yeah, this I agree. Um, I, I think to be totally fair, I think that when you have a lead, it's as you point out, it's running the running the football, and it's keeping your hands on the football. And when you run the football, teams tend to hack and whack and try to release the ball. So, my two things as a coach that I'm saying when we're up that big at twenty-seven nothing is run the football and keep your hands on it. I can't for the life of me understand why uh, there was a bunch of passes. I was uh, sitting at uh, Dave and Buster's while watching this game and just watching it, shaking my head as as uh, as as it was going on. And and, and I'll be honest, yes, I, I I hate you know putting things solely on on coaches, but I agree with you. I think we should be seeing a uh, firing or some sort of lengthy explanation as to why not a firing mm -hmm. for this coach. Then that we should give some credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars, particularly late in the second quarter when they drove the ball downfield and scored that touchdown late at the first half. If they don't score that touchdown, if they don't do that work, if they don't stay in the game, then they get blown off the field in the second half. So that's a huge credit to their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and to their leadership team, including their coach, Doug Peterson. Jacksonville certainly deserves some credit. I love the Trevor Lawrence stat line. Four touchdown passes and four interceptions. That is some Brett Favre stuff right there. <laughs> Brock, let's get to the game on Sunday afternoon, the first game on Sunday afternoon. 
afternoon when my Miami Dolphins visited your Buffalo Bills, your heavily favored Buffalo Bills, pulling out the 34-31 to 31 victory. I have an opinion on this game, but I would love to get a Bills fan's take on this. This was a uh, scary game. I ended up recording this and uh, watching it later on in the day. Uh, I was was very impressed with what Miami was able to put together, although very not impressed with what I saw from Josh Allen and company. I want to say as a fan, I want to say this is good thing for the future because we got our tough test against Miami right off the beginning. But I saw some stuff, turnovers from Josh Allen. Oof. I believe he ended up with uh, three, I believe, was the final number. And that's not going to get it done. You're playing a, a team with a quarterback who, who you know, is third-string quarterback, and uh, you need to take advantage. And again, when you have a 17 nothing lead, you need to hold on to that lead. And, and again, but credit to... To Miami, they just made made hay when they had it, and they could have very easily gone to the Buffalo Bills, and they didn't, and on we go. But, yeah, interested on your take as well. The Buffalo Bills are a team that tormented my youth. They tormented my childhood as a Miami <laughs> Dolphins fan. They knocked us out of the playoffs every single year when Miami was actually a good team. Um, so I've always had a little bit of disdain for the Buffalo Bills, so please take that with the grain of salt that I'm about to throw at your team, Brock. The Bills should be embarrassed by how they played yesterday. That was a shameful performance from a team that was expected to win by 13 and a half points by the sports fans in Las Vegas. The poor, poor decision-making and sloppiness from Josh Allen is a big, big concern. I don't care what Tony Romo was saying on that, on that CBS broadcast about Mr. January and calling Buffalo the champs. Buffalo hasn't won anything, and Josh Allen has a very heavy tendency to make big mistakes in key moments. The Buffalo Bills are lucky they came away with a win yesterday against an objectively terrible Miami Dolphins team, and the Bills should be embarrassed. They should be lighting each other up and hanging their heads in shame. And Brock, I'll tell you this right now, I've got another bone to pick with the NFL and the Buffalo Bills. We talked about the cancellation of that uh, Cincinnati-Buffalo Bills game when DeMar Hamlin had his collapse on the field, and it was going to create a situation where the, NF the AFC title game will now be played on a neutral field. I don't understand why this game coming up on Sunday between the Bengals and the Bills is also not being played on a neutral field, because if the Bengals had won that game on Monday night, if it hadn't been canceled, they would have had the home field advantage. So I have no idea why the Buffalo Bills are being given unfair advantages by the NFL as a garbage team, and they should be embarrassed, and the NFL should be embarrassed too, as the credibility of this league is falling apart. That's my take this morning, Brock, on the Buffalo Bills. You know what? I, I actually, because this that exact thing uh, dawned on me as well, uh, that the uh, Cincinnati uh, Bengals, if they had won, would have had the home field and and to be fair i think and i don't agree with this even as a even as a buffalo bills fan my my view on this is that um the nfl gave in their mind gave cincinnati the the advantage by giving them the division title and so that's sort of where i think they're kind of leaning towards well we already did this well no 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 i i agree i don't think that it should be played in buffalo i think it should be at a neutral site because of what decision was made there. And to, to go on Tony Romo here, he was, Tony Romo was caught beyond Mr. January. He was 
referring to Josh Allen as the bully and something else. And I can't remember what the third thing was that he, he was referring to him. Uh, but he was nothing, nothing of bully yesterday. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely nothing of a bully yesterday. And so for me, I kept, I kept saying to myself watching this, Tony, you need to be quiet because yeah. You're just sounding ridiculous at this point by calling him Mr. January. And like I said, there was something else beyond the bully as well. But he, he was nothing of that. Yeah. And he better be looking looking much better because he's playing Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who will have something to prove given that, that this game was mm-hmm. canceled. And they're coming out and they're going to give you even more of a test than the Miami Dolphins already did, so you you better wake up. Yeah, they have an actual quarterback, which is uh, which is a remarkable thing to go into a football game with. Yeah, Brock, I don't want to bury Tony Romo too much because it's one broadcaster to another. I understand we all have bad days. I am done with that shtick. I enjoyed Tony Romo the first couple of years on the CBS broadcast, but he is no longer doing his homework and adds nothing to the broadcast. It's time to move on from Tony Romo. Uh, let's move on from this Miami-Buffalo game, Brock. Let's not spend too, too much time on the Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings and New York Giants game. You did call this on Friday, though. You picked the Giants' win, and my goodness, was that an exciting game. And that, that team, that, off, that offense built by Brian Dayball, the head coach of the Giants, my gosh, does he make that look easy for Daniel Jones, their quarterback. My goodness, Brian Dable deserves all, well, not all the credit, but a lot of credit because what he's done with that team is unbelievable. And again, I told you I'm all in on another team as well with the 49ers. I'm all in on the New York Giants just because I I, I love uh, Brian Dable as well. So we'll see how well this goes. But man, did did he get off to a good start being thus far the only road team uh, to uh, win uh, this weekend. There's another game tonight, which we'll see how this goes. But yeah, uh, yeah just just great game by Brian Dable. Deserves everything as head coach, and I love it. And Minnesota proven to be the frauds they were exposed as so many times throughout the year. Anytime they played a good team, they got blown out. They didn't get blown out yesterday, but they still lost. And Brock, the evening game, frankly, if I called the um, the Bills' performance embarrassing relative to playing the Dolphins, I think I need to extend something similar to the Bengals, who pulled off a uh, seven-point win over the Baltimore Ravens last night. They made it much harder than it needed to be, and that game came right down to the last play. But uh, the Bengals advance and uh, beat an undermanned Ravens team. Man, you know what? Speaking of that under undermanned Ravens team, got to give a lot of credit to uh, Tyler Huntley, who came in there and said, look, I, I know Lamar Jackson is not here. I know uh, I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm doing, uh, but I'm here. I'm doing it. And uh, honestly, these couple of games this weekend really show that backup quarterbacks and even third-string quarterbacks can do it. And I was really pulling uh, for the Ravens. Uh, I was kind of caught, to be honest, because I wanted to see uh, the Bengals versus the Bills. But I also wanted to see the Ravens get in because I thought this story with how undermanned they are has been really good, but I agree. If you're Cincinnati Bengals, you should have been blowing blowing the Ravens out with the amount of injuries, and they just didn't do it. And uh, they also better wake up because they hopefully are going to play 
a much stronger team come <laughs> next weekend. Yeah. Both Buffalo and Cincinnati's coaches are going to be uh, on them this week. There's going to be some harsh conversations and practices in locker rooms being like, you need to be good. Stop being bad. Don't lose. Uh, Brock, one more game to talk about, and it's not to look back. It's to look ahead to the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. Tom Brady hosting a playoff game, uh, if you can believe that. Yes, so I'm going to throw out a uh, super stat or meaningless number, and I'm stealing this from another program that's no longer <laughs> on the air. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask you: Tom Brady has never lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Does this change tonight, or does the streak continue in your mind? Oof! It's a pretty good coincidental stat. I don't think I'm going to call it a super stat, though. I'm going to go closer to a meaningless number because for so many years when Tom Brady was playing with the New England Patriots, he was playing for a good team and the Dallas Cowboys were a bad team. So I'm going to go with meaningless stats, but with Tom Brady, there's so many stats we can pull from. It's uh, sometimes hard to decipher which is which. What do you think, Brock? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a meaningless stat as well, given the amount uh, that he would have played the Dallas Cowboys with um, with uh, the uh, Patriots, as that almost left my head. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I do think the uh, streak, if you want to put it that way, uh, does continue tonight. I think Tom Brady gets it done against the Dallas Cowboys, um, and we'll see. But uh, Tom Brady's got to play a heck of a lot better than what he's been playing for the last, you know third of the season yeah. if you will yeah uh in order to get this done because dallas credit to them is a good team so we'll see what kind of uh tom brady comes out but i've learned my lesson in not to <laughs> bet against tom brady so i i will continue with that theme and just say that uh yeah tom brady wins i i like the cowboys here i think top to bottom the roster is significantly better than the tampa bay buccaneers i think the tampa bay buccaneers are a better coached team and it is tom brady in january but i'm, I'm still liking the cowboys here i'll uh i'll i'll, I'll go die on that cowboy hill and uh <laughs> see where they go into the next round hey brock thank you for running all around the league with us today i appreciate it i know we kept you a little bit longer than usual all the best to you and happy birthday again my friend hope there's some leftover cake Thank you very much, and I'm here for a longer sports chat any day we can get it. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You and I would just talk sports for the rest of the hour if they would let us. we got to move on. Brock, thanks, buddy. Thank you. That is Brock Richardson. He's the host of The Neutral Zone at the AMI Sports Desk. Alex Smythe is at the AMI Weather Desk. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're starting off in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where the East Coast is just being pummeled with wet cold, windy conditions. So in Cornerbrook, there's freezing rain or ice pellets expected this morning, and then more freezing rain or potential just rain coming later. There's also wind gusts up to 120 kilometers per hour along the coastline. As you can expect, a wind and freezing rain warning are in effect for the area. The high is four degrees, but feeling like minus 11. To Charlottetown PEI, there's up to 15 millimeters of rain set to fall today and wind gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour. A wind wall warning is in effect for the area as well. And the high is seven degrees. In St. John, New Brunswick, it is rain and possible freezing rain this morning with up to 25 millimeters set to, to fall. Wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. The high, two degrees, and a rainfall warning is also in effect. The, uh, Quebec City, Quebec, 
clouds are rolling in with a chance of snow or freezing rain this afternoon. There's also wind gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour. The high, minus four, feeling like minus 15 with that wind chill. Over to Toronto, Ontario. It is a mix of sunny clouds today and it's clearing up as the day goes on. The high is one degree, but feeling like minus 10. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's a mix of sun and clouds turning to snow or rain this afternoon. The high is zero and feeling like minus seven. Over to Brandon, Manitoba, where it's freezing rain or snow off and on today. There is a freezing rain warning in effect for the area. The high is minus eight, feeling like minus 13. In Regina, Saskatchewan, it's cloudy with a chance of light snow or freezing rain. There's also heavy fog in the area, which has resulted in a fog warning. The high is minus eight, feeling like minus 13. In Lethbridge, Alberta, it's cloudy with a chance of light snow or freezing rain. Again, that heavy fog is in the area, and so there is a fog warning in effect. The minus four is the high, and it's feeling like minus eight with the wind chill. Over to Red Deer, Alberta, where it's cloudy with a chance of light snow, and you guessed it, the fog is still there this morning, resulting in a fog warning. And the high is minus three, and the wind chill minus 11. Up in Whitehorse, Yukon, it's cloudy with a chance of snowfall. Minus seven is the high. The wind chill makes it feel like minus 17. To Kelowna, BC, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of showers and four is the high for Kelowna. And finally, in Vancouver, BC, there's heavy rain expected throughout the day with up to 25 millimeters set to fall. The high is seven degrees. That's our AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, Twitter is planning to create an in-app currency for users. Mark Aflalo will give you the scoop. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are working on some new features. Let's check in with Mark Aflala to find out more. Mark is the co-host of Double Tap, and you can find that show Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hey, good morning, Mark. Good morning, Dave. So happy to be back with you. Yeah, first time we've chatted in a while. It's nice to speak with you. Let's start in the world of Twitter, where they're experimenting with coins as an in-app currency. How would this work for users? Well, it's a pretty simple concept here. It's an elaboration of their tipping method, which was introduced just over a year ago. It was November 2021, where they introduced tips as a way to reward people or allow you as, you know, someone who's consuming these tweets to reward someone who you like for what they're doing. You know, if they put out good information and you like what they're doing, you're able to tip them. Well, now coins is a way that Twitter is going to enable people to either reward, but also send payments back and forth to individuals, kind of like a PayPal thing or a Venmo thing that they use in the States. Um, and it's another way to just reward creators for the content that they're producing. Pretty simple. Yeah, it, it seems like it's a fairly straightforward concept and not necessarily uncommon across uh, multiple platforms now. For example, people using like Super Chats and YouTube uh, YouTube Live scenarios. You know, you see people tossing around digital coins and digital currency back and forth. What stage of testing is this at? Is this a beta test? Is there anything we can glean? Is there any information we can pull from? 
not only is this not even a beta test, this is a feature that no one even heard about until developers who do their thing, which is great for us in the tech world here, uh, is they were digging through some code and they were looking through some things and they found a couple screenshots and some marketing materials talking about these coins. Nobody has publicly actually announced this. Nobody has actually confirmed that it even will exist. But we tend to find things out through development you know, processes here and there. What's going to be coming down the road? So we, we tend to believe that this is something that is going to be coming and we're going to see it sometime soon. Turning to Meta, a.k.a. Facebook and Instagram, the platform has announced they are taking steps to limit potentially harmful ad campaigns. So what are they doing? So this is something they're enhancing because what they found over time is that teens are extremely susceptible to pretty aggressive advertising, especially when it you know it has to do with pointing at actual gender. And listen, legally, they're not allowed to be advertising to people under the age of 16 anyway. The fact mm. of the matter is that, you know, campaigns, whether they target someone who's 16 or 17, still, you know, hits people who are under that age as well. So this is a, a new enhancement to their existing safeguards that is going to stop advertisers from be able, be, being able to market to teens by gender. So they're already not able to do things based on likes or comments. And now they're no longer going to be able to say, okay, s throw this ad at someone who's female, throw this ad at someone who's male, et cetera, et cetera. It's just another little tool in their arsenal they're trying to use to combat marketers trying to target this, this whole genre audience. How does this fit into the broader context of how Meta has tried to mitigate the impact of various advertisements across the platform? Listen, it's it's over time they've added different safeguards across the board, whether it's trying to, you know, stop certain government ads, certain political ads, harmful ads that are aimed at just anybody. Um, but when it comes to kids and anybody under the age of 18, it's always an extremely sensitive topic. And there's a lot of lawsuits and class action suits and even regulations, especially in the European Union, mm -hmm. that stop them from doing this. So this kind of comes a little bit in reaction to some lawsuits that are coming out in the EU, but also I mean, it's their commitment to trying to safeguard the kids who are on the platform. That being said, to be perfectly honest, if you look at the demographics of people who are still on Facebook, you know, not counting Instagram. It's you it's and a much, me. It's you and me. Yeah, it's, it's old, it's, it's old yeah, fellas. It's you and me. It's not kids anymore. My kids don't care about Facebook unless they needed to log into their, you know, Oculus <laughs> Quest or their Meta Quest, to be perfectly honest. But Instagram, don't forget, is part of that family. Yeah. Instagram is still somewhat popular among that demographic. I can't remember whether it was the New York Times or the Washington Post. They had, they had a pretty scathing report last year about some of the psychological damage that was being done utilizing internal meta documents. So you have to think that development last year at least played a little bit in the urgency to roll out these new plans and content curations. The pile of stuff um, against Meta as a company over the past five years or even the past, you know, 10 years, it, it's not shedding a very positive light in the way that company has used various tactics to to influence the audience. So let's just say they've got a lot of PR mess and a lot of egg on their face that they really need to combat. And I think that when we see announcements like this, it's being done extremely meticulous in terms of making sure that the message is out there the way they want it to be. Mm. And hopefully they don't end up down that rabbit hole again. But who knows? What's coming up on the next episode of Double Tap, which comes folks way tomorrow night?
This is an exciting one. We're talking about Lutron, a company who's been creating smart lighting control, whether it's blind control or light switches. But we're talking all about accessibility at that company and how accessibility really is at the root of everything they do and how it began almost unintentionally. Wow, a little bit of universal design and accessibility and general general design all intersecting. That sounds like a great, great episode. Mark, thank you for this. We always appreciate your insights on these stories. My pleasure, Dave. Have a great one. That is Mark Aflalo. He's one of the co-hosts of Double Tap TV, and you can find Double Tap TV Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. You can also find episodes on demand on the website, ami.ca, or on our app, which you can find on Google or Apple devices. And you can follow the Double Tap team on Twitter at Double Tap On Air. Coming up after the break, Alex Smythe will engineer the round table. He's got movies on the brain. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. There's no Ramya today. There's no Nazreen today. That doesn't mean we still can't have a super fun round table. Paul Daniel, producer of the show, as well as our technical producer, Bruce McLarian, stepping in to be part of the round table. But before we say hello to them, Alex Smythe, you, sir, get to set the table. Yeah, thanks, Dave. So, um, you know, I always like to bring my my life experiences to these roundtable discussions and kind of offer up what I'm experiencing and kind of get your guys' takes on it. So this weekend, it was the first time that I have gone to the movie theaters to see a movie since 2019 would have been the last time that I would have gone. And I have to say, it was a bit of an underwhelming uh, experience, especially for my like return to the movie theater. Um, you know, there were some positives as well. I mean, I, I was the uh, only one in the theater. Uh, it, it was nice and quiet. I had lots of space to move around, but things like the uh, actual projector, the it was flickering. So like the colors and the lights didn't quite match up and the the chairs were old, rickety and uncomfortable. The floors were somehow still sticky. I and I, where, I don't where think did you, that. Where did what what cruddy theater did you go see this movie at? So I don't want to name the very specific one, but it was the most popular uh, movie theater chain. So one that would you would expect a, a higher quality, a standardized uh, quality from. Now that said, I went and saw the menu, which is a, a phenomenal movie. But I think because it's a movie that's been out for a bit, it was uh, you know it's now on streaming services. It's probably got the worst theater of in that movie theater because probably all the, the better ones are playing Avatar and all the new ones that are really packing the people in. So that's it. I want to kind of ask the, the round table. I want to ask, uh, I'll start with uh, Paul Daniel on this one. Like, Paul, have you been to the movie theater since the pandemic started? And if you have, what has your experience been like? Has it been better than mine? Or, or am I kind of in the the new normal when it comes to a movie going experience 
Well, first, uh, let me answer your second question first. Uh, yeah, that is the new normal. Uh, and your first, first question is, I have not been to a movie uh, since 2019. Uh, I just haven't had a chance to go. Uh, uh, nothing out there that has really appealed to me. And by the time I get there, the movie I want to see isn't there anymore. Uh, the shelf life of a movie at a theater is much shorter now than it used to be. So that, that, I find that rather uh, uh, annoying. But I haven't been to a movie theater in three years. But I do appreciate what you're saying, though. It's unusual. It's it's. The experience has changed a little bit since uh, the past four years. Bruce, what about you? You've been you've been hopping into a, a movie cinema of late, or is uh, child rearing taking up too much of your time? No, no, no. Well, in the past few <laughs> weeks, I haven't, to be honest with you. But I have been to the movies since uh, you know the pandemic hit, and frankly, it's been pretty cool. I went uh, especially to watch uh, Top Gun. Thanks to the recommendation of Dan, mm-hmm, one of our mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> colleagues that he saw five times, I believe. Anyway, um, it was quite the experience. It was great, good images, good sound, the experience I expected. So that was really, really cool. Uh, so I, in contrary, actually, I, I have had great experiences, to tell you the truth, including, uh, you know, I don't know if... Um, venturing too much out of the conversation, but like also in, in entertainment and concerts, they have been tremendous just because maybe it's just because everybody missed them so much. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. and the conversations that in the concerts that I've been in have been so wonderful that like everybody just, just loves it so so much that i don't know i have I have had a great experience to be honest with you yeah I've, I've been going to the movies a lot not so much in the last few months but i just sort of lost got out of the habit but for a while there i was going to the vip cinema in our office complex mm-hmm. pretty much once a week for a while I, I probably at the at one point i was probably on pace to see 20 or 25 movies in the theater uh, last year, because I just think it's the best way to consume movies, point final, period, because you have to turn your phone off. You can't just like get up and wander around. You can't talk. You have to sit there and consume the movie and be immersed in the art. I, I like it. Alex, I think you maybe just went to the wrong theater. I think you went to an old yeah. rundown theater instead of, you know, springing the extra bucks to go to one of the VIP showings. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, I, I went to see the the specific uh, uh, movie, The Menu, because I, I wanted to and I, I, I went with someone who, who wanted to see it as well. So it, it was an easy experience to go to that. Now, that I'm I'm glad that it, it was not the shared experience of uh, both you and you and Bruce. So that's that's about it. I, I was wondering if I was just getting old and curmudgeon and it's just like, God, these theaters today, they don't know. They're not like they used to be. But because I started to think it's like, well, you know, I have such a good, comfortable situation when I view a movie at home. Right. Because it's like everyone these days, the the quality of the TVs and, and the, the devices oh, yeah. that you're using, it's not like it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's like you have surround sound at home. You have uh, a, a good high definition TV. The I find that that gap is closing when it comes to the difference between theaters and a home theater but there is something to be said you know the screens are obviously bigger especially when you get a good comfortable seat you get a a a boisterous crowd on something new like i'm sure top gun would be a phenomenal movie to see in theaters just because oh it would be so in it oh it was if 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 i may bruce go ahead it's it's not just about the quality of sound or 
or picture, to be honest with you. Sure, that is important, but it is important to have a collective experience. And that's something that you can't have at home, I guess, with your mm -hmm. friends, partner, whoever. But it is really going to a theater, especially things like a film mm -hmm. festival, mm -hmm. where you are able to have a connection um, with the filmmaker sometimes and have a QA and a and those kinds of elements. Like, that experience is still not there. Sure, you can access whatever at home. It is true. And frankly, I do that as well. But it is to have a different experience than you have at home. Also, just even if you don't have that, going to the theater, being able to turn everything everything off and really just zone yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. That Bruce, to and, me, that's it. To me, that's the key, right? That you're actually turning your stuff off. You have to grapple with the content. To me, that's like the number one thing. But I also like what you're identifying there, which is the ritual. You have to go and pick up your ticket. You have to go get it torn or scanned by somebody. Hey, have a nice day. Hello, how are you? There's a human interaction. You walk in, you smell the popcorn. You hear a fountain soda being mm -hmm. poured. You hear them shuffling the popcorn into the bag, the swooshing of the opening of the bag, the pressing of the margarine button, because I don't pay for extra butter. I use the margarine mm -hmm. button because I'm cheap like that. It's it's one <laughs> it's one of these, it's one of these things where there's so much that you're doing, the feeling of sitting in your seat. The feeling when the lights go down and the sound comes up, the watching of the previews, the watching of the previews is such a critical part of the ritual because that's when you know you are a movie fan because now you know the next four or five movies that you may want to see based on the preview. There, there's just something about it that watching in your living room and your underwear can just never, like can never replicate. Paul, what do you think it would take to get you to the movie theater? Uh, mostly just uh, a movie I like, and that's that, that stays there long enough for me to get there. Uh, I'm not a, no, everything you point out, Dave, about the ritual and all, is all very true. The anticipation of the actual event is almost as important as the actual event itself, and that's you're you're right. Although my wife and I make a common joke all the time about the coming distractions and the uh, you know, this is, is there a movie here? When you pay like however much you pay for a movie, you uh, you find out that you got eight nine. Uh, uh, trailers. I can say, is there a movie coming oh, sometime in, I mean, our, in our lifetime? Paul, let's yes. let's let's be clear. I'm going to separate. I'm, I'm going to separate okay. the trailers from the commercials because there are too many commercials. Fair enough. I don't know how many times yeah. Scotiabank needs to sell me an Interact card. <laughs> <laughs> I I hear you with that. I hear you with that. Dude. By, by the way, it's Scotia, the, if you want to sponsor the show, I will happily show you. <laughs> I will happily show your Interact. Card. And we have just call me or Dave, and we'll take care of that. <laughs> no, I, I do look forward to going to a theater because you're right. The, the, the pleasure of being with other people to you know collect is. Uh, has been pointed out by the by the other guys here, the uh, collective experience of enjoying a laugh or even a, a scare or even uh, an emotional moment in a movie, uh, those are kind of, those are rather important and uh, we missed those for a couple of years and it's good that we can still do them again. But I'm not. It's not that I'm not against it. It's just I've been to I've been to, for example, I saw recently uh, Itzhak Perlman uh, at the at the Roy Thompson Hall, uh, and half the people were wearing masks, other half weren't, but. We had a great view, and it's like, yeah, so it was a shared experience. I mean, watching a great classical violinist like him, that was a pretty cool experience right there. Look at, look at Paul bringing the Roy Thompson Hall. Look at Paul bringing in some, bad seat. Look, at, look at Paul bringing some high culture to the show. We're talking Top Gun. And, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, Dave. I didn't mean to <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I didn't mean to do that. Graphically all over the place. Alex, I'm ready for Avatar Four. I'm yeah, ready no, for thank Avatar you. 4. There you go. Now you're getting in line with this <laughs> yeah. thing, uh, Alex. Sorry, you, Dave, you, you clear, Alex. You clearly had a bit of a not so awesome experience on Saturday. What would it take to bring you back? Well, I, I think Paul touched on it. It's like it has to be something that you feel 
the need that you need to see it in theaters. It has to be something that is going to be benefited from that shared experience. Now, I was never a Top Gun guy in general, so Top Gun never appealed to me. And frankly, what what the other big one is, it's Avatar right now. I, I haven't cared about Avatar in the past, like, nine years, you know? So it's not really drawing me to theaters. But maybe there is a movie that comes out or comes along in the next, uh, like, few months that's like, oh, it kind of grabbed my attention. And one that's like, this would be fun. Like, it, it, no longer you have that same, I guess, level of expectation. Oh, I need to see this in theaters because of the home, uh, the home theater setups. But... You can make it more of, of an event as, as we've been talking about. Okay, maybe instead of going six to ten times a year, maybe you go two or three times a year to the theater. But you really pick and choose which one you want to do. Well, Cineplex investors are very mad at you. Uh, Alex, thank you for this great topic. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, you know, well, they, they can just improve their quality and then I'll be back more yeah. times. So. <laughs> they, they, can, they can sponsor the show too, though. I love their VIP cinemas. Uh, Paul, thank you for this. Thank you for pinch hitting today. Thank you, Dave. Bruce, thank you for doing a literal lap around the office to find a studio and a laptop. You're the best, buddy. Cheers, man. <laughs> That's Bruce McClary and Paul Daniel and Alex Smythe. That's a huge chunk of our production crew on Now with Dave Brown. You noticed there was no Ramya Emuthan here today. That's because she's not co-hosting Kelly and Ramya today. Daniel McLaughlin stepping in for Ramya. Michael Babcock will be on the show to share what stood out to him at this year's CES. Brock Richardson, our friend, will stop by to recap the NFL playoffs. And the Canadian Association of Broadcasters reported there's a lack of representation of people with disabilities in broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, we uh, can tell you that one's for sure. Danielle McLaughlin will discuss that further in Know Your Rights. You can catch Kelly and Ramya today, 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. Coming up after the break, Ryan Delahanty will be here. He'll preview some new AMI-audio podcasts. This is Now with Dave Brown on ami Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv, wrapping up a Monday show with a familiar voice and a familiar face, but with a new job title. It's Ryan Delahanty, AMI's new podcast coordinator for AMI-audio. Ryan, congratulations on the new role. Thanks very much, Dave. I, uh, I'll miss uh, my friends and some of the uh, duties on the TV side, but really excited to delve a lot deeper into the world of AMI podcasts. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff being worked on over there on the AMI audio side of the family, including a Double Tap spinoff. It's Shaun of the Shed, a show that I absolutely adore. How would you describe Shaun of the Shed? It's, you know, tech how-to, a little bit more in-depth on specific, you know, focused on specific apps and devices, uh, but with a ton of humor and so much charm, you can't help but love it. <laughs> We've actually got a clip here from the latest episode of Shaun of the Shed, which just dropped yesterday on YouTube and podcast platforms everywhere. Let's roll it. Post. Mail. Snail mail. Call it whatever you like. I call it the devil's lavatory paper because I hate the post. I mean, it's just another thing you got to deal with every day. And if you can't see printed text, it's even worse. Of course it is. Maybe you're blind or visually impaired or maybe you've got some other disability, dyslexia, maybe, meaning that you find it really difficult to read text. What do you do then? Don't worry, until we actually abolish 
the post, which I'm all for, by the way. You know, it needs to go the same way as the facts or leg warmers, I don't know. But until it's gone, there is a way we can manage the post. And of course, it comes down to technology. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous technology. In fact, it's as easy as pulling your smartphone out of your pocket. All you need is the right software. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to show you some software for both the iPhone and an Android phone that will enable you to read your printed text, or in this case, a letter. <laughs> Ryan, I uh, adore Sean. I don't know about his libertarian viewpoint of abolishing the post office, <laughs> but uh, I think that gives a good glimpse of how the show rolls and a little bit of its attitude because it has just that little bit of fun swagger, playful swagger to it. Um, what, Ryan, let me ask you this question. You're like me. You're an apartment dweller. How often do you actually end up checking your mail? Not often. I get very little. I do have a few close friends who are mail carriers, so I probably can't be too overt about my <laughs> indifference towards the future of uh, the post. Um, but very rarely. And, uh, you know, the odd parcel, of course, but that's uh, a little bit different. Yeah, so, par parcels are a little yeah. more deliberate, right? Parcels is something yeah. we have reached out and ordered to have arrive at our home. The actual checking of the mail, I, I know I checked it mine on December the 22nd, because I thought I was leaving for Ottawa on December the 23rd for the holidays. Surprise, surprise, via rail. <laughs> Changed those plans on me a little bit. But I didn't check it again until last week. And Ryan, it was nothing. It was all just junk mail and flyers to the point that I wonder if like, that's what we have to get out of this mail system. We want to save the environment, less flyers in my mailbox. Absolutely. There's a, a band, actually, my uh, upstairs neighbor, I'm pointing up to his office, uh, is in a band here called No Flyers, Please. And between their band stickers and other people who put no junk mail, no flyers, please, you see that on a lot of mailboxes here. And it does help. It really cuts down. Uh, my two of our three mailboxes in this house uh, have that. And I only see junk mail in the one that doesn't. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I like a good peruse through a flyer from time to time, but uh, it's a little excessive. It's a little excessive. You don't want to miss McDonald's coupon day, right? I definitely so. don't. Don't want to miss McDonald's coupon day. I feel very seen right now. Uh, be <laughs> sure to check out Sean of the Shed on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform. And remember, like, subscribe, review, all that good stuff to uh, share a little bit of love. Ryan, this next podcast is one that I'm passionate about. You're passionate about. It's money, 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 money. And this podcast is called Eyes on Your Money. We've previously interviewed one of the co-hosts of that show on the show, Ryan Chin. We're actually going to be talking to Ryan a little bit later this week. But to your mind, what does Eyes on Your Money offer to the audience? It's uh, hosted by uh, Ryan Chin, who you mentioned, and Becky Armstrong. Becky's a charter professional accountant with over 20 years' experience, and Ryan is a financial planner for Sun Life, who is legally blind and especially passionate about enabling financial independence for himself and others. And so it's something... Um, that you know is so important as a functional member of society managing your finances empowering you to do what you need to do to survive what you want to do to you know aspire to enrich your life uh, and you know i would argue that probably more so than how you vote how you spend your money and who you give it to probably exerts more influence on the world around you mm -hmm. um so it is really important to have you know some financial literacy some savviness it's always changing. And then when you add in the component of accessibility and, you know, some disability issues, uh, then, you know, it's quite a rich subject to explore and something that 
I think a lot of people perceive as maybe being a bit dry or dull, but really doesn't have to be. Mm. And so I've been really impressed with the job that Ryan and Becky are doing on Eyes on Your Money. And uh, small sidebar, I was blown away. I think they may have one of my favorite show logos that I've seen, which looks like a loony with Eyes on Your Money written on the top and with Ryan and Becky on the bottom, dollar signs on the sides, and a cool bear in shades in the center, all in a very chill gray-blue color combo. So kudos to whoever designed that. That's uh, one of my faves already yeah definitely some neat design there uh ryan one of the things i like about the show is they really strip the the financial conversation down to the basics they want to make sure everybody's got a good strong foundation and build from there what are they talking about in the most recent episode so in this new episode, the January edition of Eyes on Your Money with Ryan and Becky, they talked to Brian Moore, who is an expert in accessibility, who works in the banking industry for, you know, one of the bigger players. And they discuss what services the banks can offer persons with a disability, uh, you know, how accessible ATMs work, which which types probably aren't going to be as accessible. And they go into a, a good bit of detail on the Accessible Canada Act. So it's really a great overview, whether you're interested in banking, you know, technology, any other industry, uh, the accessibility talk, implementing accessibility features is quite universal. And you're going to find that in pretty much every industry. And so I found it really uh, enlightening. It was quite a great chat. So we've got a sample here, which was provided by audio technical producer Jacob Chemansky, who's a great dude and great audio producer. So let's give this clip a listen. You know, I, I remember having a rather heated debate with some product management people, and they said, well, we, we, we can launch the accessible version later. And I said, okay, well, how about we do this? How about we take away the translated version too? We can launch that later at some point in the future. Well, we can't do that. That's a regulatory. <laughs> well, so is this. Ryan, you and I have something in common, which is that we both had careers before we ended up in the media industry. So you've had an opportunity to work on a consumer awareness TV show as well as some time working in the banking industry. So when you encounter content like this, how does that make you reflect on those times in your career? Uh, definitely gravitate towards the former more than the latter. And so um, as a kid, I was just very fortunate they came to my, I think it was junior high school at the time, uh, looking for somebody interested in appearing in an episode of Street Sense on CBC. I remember that show. Halifax. I remember that show. It was a great uh, show. Introduced Jonathan Torrance to the world and a couple others. Um, so there was a host, Jamie, and I looked somewhat like him, I guess, as a, a, much, a fair bit younger. And they had a pig that was the mascot on the show. And so uh, the evil Ken from Bico made some sort of time machine. Everybody aged. Everybody uh, turned into children. I got to play one of those children with a piglet uh, as that version. And uh, it was quite a great experience, but I always <laughs> loved it. And just that idea of teaching consumerism to kids, you know, products as advertised may not actually be that in reality. So they toss those in the pit. Uh, so that was a really wonderful experience. And I felt something was lost when that show uh, expired. Uh, I did not have a very good experience working for telephone banking, one of the big major banks. Uh, they kind of put you in a customer service role, but they only cared about sales. Yeah. Helping people yeah. was outside of their uh, purview. And so I had a lot of ethical concerns for the year or so I was there. And then a big story broke a couple of years later that I thought was common knowledge that uh, that's just how they did business. And I didn't like it or want any sort of part of it. And uh, so I was uh, kind of near the end of my rope and saw this opportunity to volunteer to read for a group called <laughs> Voiceprint. And now we're about 15 years later. 
and I'm sitting here with you and we're talking eyes on your money. Yeah, I uh, I really I really uh, had a very similar experience working for a major bank. A uh, lot of uh, sales numbers, a lot of sales numbers, not a lot of uh, points for helping people. They never they never measured that one at the end of the day. Hey Ryan, thank you for this. And again, congratulations on your new role. I know you're going to absolutely crush it on the AMI audio side with my old boss Andy Frank. I can't wait to see what you two come up with. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of things brewing, and I'll have to pick your brain a little bit, too, to see uh, where we should be going. <laughs> I have an idea, too. There's no doubt about it. That is Ryan Delahanty. He's the podcast coordinator for AMI-audio. That's all the time we have for the show today. Don't worry, we'll be back again tomorrow. Even though I've said a lot of mean things about potential sponsors, I'm unsuspendable. So until the show starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. I'm Marjorie Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.